0: Lifeway. Lifeway. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Vanoy, here with my co-host Todd Atkins. What? And today we are joined by Brett Hagler, who is the CEO, co-founder of New Story, an innovative nonprofit which was founded back in 2015, and it is all about pioneering solutions to end global homelessness. Brett, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Great to be on with you guys and, uh, and all your listeners.
0: Paul, well, I know just as we were sharing about with with New Story, you know, it's on your all's heart to end global homelessness and like pioneering solutions. Can you share just a little bit about what some of those solutions are? Because I think you guys are doing some of the most innovative stuff that I've heard of.
1: Sure. So our approach is, you know, we, we really want to, um, we really want to understand the, the biggest pain points and frustrations as to why are families that we're trying to serve uh, in inadequate housing and are homeless? Uh, and there's obviously a lot of reasons for that, but everything from a you know home cost being too high or not being able to get access to any kind of lending or financing, like those are two examples, right? So we feel those problems, and those frustrations, and then we try to think through. Um, we put a lot of our resources and our team and our budget around coming up with innovation to to try to drive down the cost of the house or to try to um, kind of reinvent or rethink how you can do lending or mortgages to families that don't have creditworthiness and can't get that from a traditional bank. So um, two of the examples are, you know, we've done with technology, we've done 3D printing housing with uh, with our partner Icon. Uh, we did our first 3D printed um, neighborhood of homes in Mexico uh, last year. And uh and right now we're really focusing on um on innovating uh, the finance piece of how do families uh get access to financing to pay for some of the house, um, not all of it. We do use some philanthropy to subsidize the home cost. Um so there's like some fintech stuff involved and how do you do payments and getting into like crypto is interesting. So we're just constantly trying to figure out um more efficient ways to to, to, to bring um, really a housing product to the families that we get to work with.
2: That's very cool. So one of the things I want our listeners to understand is, you know, off the bat, um, well, a lot of times on the podcast, we're bringing on, you know, famous Christian authors, speakers, um, and, and you do speak at a, a lot of Christian events, but this is a, the different podcast than they might imagine that they were going to be tuning into today. So what I want them to understand, I want you to help frame for us, you know, that the idea of people think creativity and innovation come from an abundance of time and resources. Uh, one Mm. thing, and you, you, one of your talks that I've heard is, um, is yes, absolutely. Dream big, uh, church planter, church leader, absolutely. Dream big. Um, about how do you start small and how do you build up to that? And, yeah. um, I, I, just, you know, want to go ahead and help do the math for them, uh, why this is an important conversation uh, for them to, to listen to. Yeah. Cool. Well,
0: let's go ahead and hop in here to our five questions. And I know with in such an innovative space and you guys are trying new things, I'm sure you're learning from many different people and, and learning even from the experiences that you guys are having. So who are you yeah. currently learning from Brett?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, I'd probably put three buckets, which is, which is probably how I'm, I'm 31 now. And I've been, I think I've been a pretty obsessive learner for the last decade as far as where I'm learning, what I'm reading. And these three buckets tend to be, uh, pretty common. And so they always like different people maybe move into these buckets, but I just want to frame that. So the first bucket, which I mean, it's going to sound cliche and I'm not trying to, but it really is truth of if I'm not learning from, and if you just take kind of the, all of the spiritual side out of it, but if I'm not learning from Jesus and getting wisdom from Jesus, uh, that I do believe with all my heart, um, if I, this is not from like a church context or anything like that, like is the best philosophy on, on leadership and on defining the status quo, um, that is, that is first and foremost, like, I've got to be plugged in there. And that's usually where I get most excited. So that's the first thing. (laughs) Um, And the second thing would be, I have this, like, this dichotomy, Um, I'm going to give two examples of that, I I think you can, like, when I read a book or listen to an author, I will, I will usually not take, you know, 100% of what they're saying as like, I'm going to apply 100% of that to my life. But I can apply maybe 50% or 80% or 90% or whatever it might be. And so, uh, this next one is a dichotomy of two, like very different people, um, that you might, that, that are, that are, that are, um, that are, uh, messaging kind of two different ways of living, but I take a lot from both of them. So on one hand would be, um, uh, John Mark Comer and the book *Ruthless Elimination of Hurry was incredibly important to me for my soul. And like learning from that is like incredible. Contrasted with um, a book and an author called Tim Grover, who is the the personal um, kind of both mental and physical trainer to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade, a lot of other top athletes. And it's a book called Relentless. And it's essentially <laughs> the most like ruthless, relentless pursuit of, of being essentially being the best at what you do. Right. And so I like, I pick and pull from both of those where some of the stuff that Tim's saying like, yeah, that may not align with, with my faith or some things that I would prioritize, but I can learn so much from what he's saying. And then some of the other stuff from, from John Mark, I'm like, okay, I agree with like 80% of this, but you know, for where I am in my life, I'm not going to apply all of it. But I like having um, kind of the dichotomy of those two things because it just helps helps me like really think and get perspective. Um, and the last the last bucket is uh, I'm reading a book right now about that was written by uh, a few of the early execs at Amazon, and just kind of really learning like how how they continued to innovate, how they built leadership principles into Amazon, and trying to pick and choose um, the things that stick out to me that I can apply to to our organization. So that's like Jesus, and then like some kind of usually like a Christian author, and then usually some type of like um, inspiration that will be a little like motivating. And then um, usually some kind of like business business businessy book that I can learn and get case studies from folks that have done what we're trying to do
0: you know, I really love the dichotomy and it's it is hilarious that both of the books, it's like the, the relentless elimination okay. of hurry. It's just like, no, just relentless on the other end of it. Um, Literally. Yeah. But yeah. For, for you at News Story and leading News Story, I know, you know, founded in 2015 and as you guys are doing awesome work, you want to put the gas, you know, you want to put your foot on the gas and be able to advance, you know, your, your mission as much as you can at the same time, I'm sure as you're reading John Mark Comer, you're like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm healthy. I need to make sure the team's healthy. I need to, so as you've been, I mean, you know, six years now of leading a nonprofit that is, you know, pushing the space in a lot of ways where there probably is the relentless hustle aspect to it. What are some ways that you are, that you've learned to safeguard yourself and then also your team to make sure that you guys are healthy as you were leading in that capacity?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's been one of the biggest learnings for me the last two years and what I'm most focused on right now. Um, I would say there's kind of two machos for me um, that, that I've been really intentional about. Um, The first one is, is, Definitely from, from a faith perspective. And by the way, for the audience, New Story is not a, a Christian organization. We have a lot of believers on our team, but we're not, we're not a Christian organization. Um, but as a leader, obviously, like my faith inspires every, hopefully every choice I make and all my decision making as a leader. And the first mantra is, um, is obedience over outcomes. And so while, yes, we are trying to, to really push and, you know, hit new metrics and all those things, um, none of that matters if, if I don't have, if I'm not in the right place with, with an ob- obedience and like delighting first in that obedience. Um, and the second thing is, uh, I think this is a quote from a book called, uh, soul keeping that, um, it's God cares way more about the person I'm becoming than what I'm achieving. And, uh, for, for myself and even like my exec team and my directors that I work closely with, I need to care, first and foremost about, ideally, who they're becoming from a character standpoint and from a leadership standpoint than what they're achieving. Um, And obviously, there is a good point when when you're in any kind of leadership position where, of course, outputs important, results are are important, but it's ideally inside out where you're caring first and foremost about the character and and kind of the the, the soul first. So that's what I want to try to work on.
2: So have you been able to, you know, looking back over the last several years, have has your leaders, have the leaders in your organization been able to grow along with the business? Because in the yeah. church world, sometimes um, as a church gets larger and larger, it, you know, you can outpace the competency mm-hmm. of your, your, some of your key leaders if you're not continuing to develop, develop them. Totally.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. We're kind of going through that now, um, you know, just to get why while we're doing this podcast, we're at about 36 total team members. And by the end of this year, we'll probably be closer to 55. So it is a it is a bigger, this is a very big growth year for us. And um, I think the reality is that not everybody is going to be able to or actually have the desire to scale to that, to scale their leadership and their competency to where they would need to be. That doesn't mean that they can't still be a significant contributor right. to the mission and the organization. I think it needs to be intentional choice that they have to be up for it. They have to be excited to take on, to be stretched and to take on new challenges and to want to grow. That, is, that does not mean that they have to be excited for 60 or 70 hour work weeks, right? That's that's right. not the case. You can still do it in a, in a reasonable time at work but when you're at work, there needs to be a, I think, a real desire to want to be stretched and to be obsessive about learning and growing. And I found that people that aren't that don't desire that, it's probably not going to work out for their for growth to a new level. It doesn't mean that they can't have an important place in the team, and that's when I think you need to bring in. Uh, I mean, we just recently brought in somebody that has. Uh, skip uh experience from somewhere somewhere else that we haven't been yet but we want to get to mm-hmm. and I'm seeing an insane amount of value already from that so I think it's a balance of both and I think um, you know the leaders uh, uh, if listening like you just have to really if you're growing at a, a certain pace and you're tr- taking on new challenges you just got to make sure that the people under you are excited about that and want and want to do that and are willing to put in the The effort to do so.
2: Hmm. Very cool. So, what would you say is the main point of emphasis with your leadership team, like going into this season? Because listeners probably Mm -hmm. are wondering man, that sounds like a lot of growth at a very interesting time uh, in our our economy. Um, Yeah. But what's your main point of emphasis? Where Where are you trying to lead your team?
1: Yeah. So the first thing, one of the reasons why we are growing so much this year is um, last year we were, we were flat on intentionally with COVID, um, but we ended up having a, a pretty healthy year financially. Uh, but the second thing, which I think is super, the most important is we more than ever have really, we have a, the most clarity we've ever had on our strategy or like our how in order to get to the the kind of end why. Right. In the last couple of years we've like, A little bit zigged and zagged and dipped our toes around different things for the how. And so, from that perspective, I didn't feel confident enough to like really invest into certain team members in this location doing this and this because we're still like kind of feeling out what are like, what are we really going to be best at? And what is clarity on what is success over the next three years? And so, because we did the hard work of figuring out what is clarity to us over the next three years, geographic wise, like number wise, problem solving wise, we're then able to invest into the team members to actually make that happen. So um the first thing was uh we had a mantra just focus will set us free. Um we had a lot of excitement and momentum but if that's not uh channeled towards a really clear kind of path then We've, from our own experiences, that's led to things not working out the way we want. So we got a lot of focus, which I think was a reason to invest in the team because you know where to put them, what they're working on, what success looks like, right? And then um, right now, I'd say, since we are in a a growth period and we're taking on new challenges, one thing, a point of emphasis that I've been saying a lot to our team is that we are going, because we are kind of chartering new territories and we're discovering New problems to solve. We are going to face a lot of challenges over the next year or two because we're going to fa- we're going to feel friction. We're going to we're going to feel inefficiencies. We're going to feel um, frustrations in what we're trying to do. But those th- those are that's how we're identifying. Um, the new solutions and the new innovations that that we're going to create, right? So if right now we're a big focus of ours is on like loans and financing to, to families that are making, you know, between five to $10 a day, right? Well, In trying to actually do the end-to-end process of that, right now, we're discovering a lot of challenges and frustrations, right? And so it's like, oh gosh, like this takes so long, this is so manual, like you're you're building this list of all these pain points. But then at the same time, what you're doing is you're creating a a list or a roadmap of how you could bring innovation to those pain points. And so uh, it sounds cliche, but like learning these challenges actually create our biggest opportunities for, for the innovations or what we want to bring um, to solve the challenges.
0: Hmm. That's that's really helpful. So speaking that's speaking of leading your team and, you know, walking into this growth mindset, but what are two to three things that you must do daily that benefit you in your life and your leadership?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, an obvious one, uh, but it's definitely the most true is uh, it's just, dedicated morning time for me with um to me that's usually just uh, uh focus time for for prayer and and reading and scripture and um again sounds basic but like man it's so important and um and so it's so important for me to do that and that's the first thing and the benefit is i just i feel more attached to the vine during the day i feel like i'm in a better mental space to make um you know, more, more godly decisions. And so that's the first thing. Um, the second thing would be, I, uh, this is just me personally. I, I just exercise has become a daily habit. I mean, it has been for probably 10 years. And so, um, almost no matter what I'm doing no matter how busy the day is or how important something is that day um I'll get an exercise in the morning and then during the exercise time is that's usually when I'm learning so if I'm on a run or if i'm working out inside not if I'm like doing a bike or a peloton or something but if I'm doing something where I can control what I'm listening to that's what I'm usually listening to a podcast or a book or a sermon or um back when I used to give, which hopefully is to pick up again. But <laughs> when I used to give talks or keynotes, um, I would pre-record my talk on audio. And then I would I would just listen to it, you know, in the morning or like during a workout. And so I'm kind of getting a, a 45 minutes of both workout and some type of learning. Um, so those would be the, the two things for me.
0: So oh, real quick, I'm fascinated by this. So yeah. you, would, you would record your like, if you're going to give a keynote talk at a conference, you, oh, would, yeah. you would record that and then listen to it. What would oh, what, yeah. what, what you find trick. like the biggest learnings from doing that?
1: So I would do, and I'll still do this, but like if I'm like trying to basically, basically memorize a talk, which is how I usually do it. I mean, it's not every word, but it's a lot of it that is memorized. Um, I will I'll write everything out and then I will, Um, I'll speak it. Right. Because I want to make sure that time is pretty close to what the time I've been allocated and then um, and then I'll try to speak it while I'm kind of whether I'm reading it or I'm just like referencing my um, script. I'll read it in a way that I'm ideally wanting to talk it and I'll and I'll voice I'll voice record it. And then when I'm like, you know, just traveling, uh, waiting in line on the plane or on the Uber on the way to the airport to the talk or in the morning. I'm just listening and I'm like, that's how I do it. It just helps me, helps me memorize. And it kind of kills, it kills all this dead time of like, you know, just, just put it in your ears. So, yeah.
0: no, that's a, that's a very yeah. interesting, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I yeah. know there's pastors listening to this and they're, you know, yeah. may, maybe you're listening. You're like, you know what? I'm going to try that. And for my next sermon, I'm going to record my sermon beforehand and listen to it. So I love it.
1: Yeah. yeah record it beforehand and then if you go on like a walk or a run or whatever it is listen to it and you'll and then i'll take notes and i'll be like ah i should probably delete that or i should do another follow-up story and i'll just put notes to my phone and then record it again yeah
0: that's great well, that's yeah. great jesus's final charge to his disciples was to go and make disciples of all nations And yet, many Christians today struggle to understand what this means for them, and many churches find it difficult to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the past 15 years, our friends at Downline Ministries have partnered with local churches by equipping men and women to know God's word and make disciples in the context of their homes, their churches, and their communities. They do this through the Downline Institute, a nine month training program where students are taught Genesis through Revelation, biblical manhood and womanhood and practical discipleship training. If you long for a greater knowledge of God's word, a clear vision for making disciples and the strengthening of biblical discipleship in your church, check out the Downline Institute's in-person and virtual training options. Downline is offering our listeners $100 off of the tuition cost. Just use the code LIFEWAY when you apply at
2: downlineministries.com. So um, let's talk about uh, you've you've obviously grown your business slash ministry really quickly. And um, I'm sure that you have a failure story or two along the way that you can share with us. What's your favorite yeah. failure story?
1: Yeah, very much. Um, well, just for context, I failed, uh, basically three times before starting news story. So I had a for-profit startup that failed. I had a dream job that I ended up losing and failed. And then I had something else that failed. So I had three pretty big failures before God led me to, to start news story at age 25. But, um, from all of those failures, it was, God was connecting dots of, okay. I was continuing to still step forth. I was continuing to, um, you know, not was trying not to, to measure my, um, my worth or my status by, by those failures and just like believing and trusting something else would come. So just start with that because like on the surface, Yeah, New Story, it definitely surpassed my wildest dreams in our first six years, like for sure, as far as how quickly things have happened. But that was the backdrop of, you know, three big failures coming into it. Um, And then during New Story, I mean, we've had uh, our 3D printing project, um, I would say has been, I mean, we knew it was gonna be insanely hard, but it's been 10 times harder than we probably thought it was gonna be. And so it hasn't technically been a failure, but. I've never had more sleepless nights and, um, there was time pressure to get things done and it ended up, you know, working, but, uh, it was incredibly hard to, to push through. And there was just a lot of prayer and relying on God during that time. Um, and then I'd say the other thing that comes to mind from a challenge or failure standpoint is, uh, just, you know, my own failure to, yeah, uh, and this is something obviously very common. And I think a lot of if you're a pastor you're listening, of just like th- attaching my identity too much into the success of, of a new story and the, and the and the image of a successful young social entrepreneur, right? And um, and that happened for a couple years, and thankfully, I caught myself you know when i was about 29 31 now um, and i've just tried to be really intentional um like more intentional than anything about that uh but but there definitely was i think a kind of a challenge or a failure period um, personally um nothing that caused any serious integrity issues or you know issues with the company but how it affected my thinking, my soul, my faith, which ultimately those things are gonna end up affecting how you lead, how you think of people, mm-hmm. um, how you set vision, how, all of the things, right? It, it needs to be inside out. And so um, that was something that I will continue to probably struggle with, but it, it is at the top of my list of what to in humility be intentional about.
0: And Brett, thanks for sharing about those. Uh, you know, it's easy. To, you could just talk about a new story. You wouldn't have to bring up the uh, three jobs beforehand that you were, you were referring to. But I want to go back to that. You, you said, hey, sure. I, I, three big failure stories that kind of shaped who you were. Yeah. And I know for me and I know for many leaders, it's like we almost want to put the card, play the, you know, we want to make sure that the cards are going to win before we play them. And sure. especially when, you know, you kind of just got, you know, you could beat yourself up and say, man, it's just, I've, i failed a few times. How did you, cause then you, you step into new story and you say, Hey, we're going to do something yeah. new and this is also yeah. risky. So how did you, you know, take what you, those failures and turn them into learnings to step into new story? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll just give the, I'll give the the storyline of what happened and how it a hundred percent led to what I think God's plan was for me. And then and it would have been very easy to, to make easier choices or to make more normal choices. But I just had a conviction and thankfully I kept going. So the first one was a, and I, I always loved entrepreneurship. So I started a for-profit startup right out of college. And around that time, um, it's it kind of like actually when I became a believer. And so I made a total 180 in a lot of the things that I cared about. I used to just pursue what I call the three G's gold, girls, and glory. And then When I met Jesus in my early 20s, that changed total 180. And, um, but the startup that I had at the time was an online e-commerce company. And we wanted to uh, start giving because I wanted to start being somewhat of a more generous or compassionate person. I was reading the New Testament. I was like, wow, Jesus really cares about the poor. Um, And so I wanted, we wanted to start giving back a little bit of money we're making. Um, We chose, we chose two charities. One charity um, was Charity Water, um, which is how I actually got to meet their founder, Scott Harrison, who is a close friend, advisor, and his her, uh, his wife, Vic, is now a board member at New Story. Um, but we met through that, right? And then the other charity was an organization uh, in Haiti uh, called Mission of Hope, another extraordinary organization. And uh, I wanted to take a trip to Haiti to see that uh, charity in person that our startup was going to give some of the money back to, right? So it was kind of, okay, I'm going on this trip. I started the charity when I went on the trip to Haiti, I had zero idea that I would ever want to start a story. Right. But, uh, that's what led me down there. And that's what I, that's where I saw the problem. Right. Um, so that was what God used to help me see the problem that new story is now trying to solve. But when I was down there and I got back, um, my startup ended up failing and then i didn't think about immediately starting new story um i actually wanted to go work for for charity water and for scott harrison directly mm. and uh, this was going to be something that i was hoping to move to new york work with them learn from their team and then maybe one day start my own organization um and that ended up not working out and uh and that was a moment where i was so sad so frustrated i thought this was going to be my thing And it was a no. And when that happened, um, I remember so vividly I closed my computer and I got on my knees and I just said, God, I have no clue why this is happening. I literally can't understand it, but I'm going to trust that you have something else coming next that could be better and could be bigger. And I then thought of new story about four months after that, right? Where of course, if I would have got the job, that wouldn't have happened. Um, and so I think I just I kept going and I kept I had a conviction that um, God had placed something in my heart that was around social entrepreneurship and trying to challenge somewhat of the status quo. And and that's that's how it happened. You those, those were the dots, but they all in hindsight, the dots all make sense. Right. It all makes sense of how that led to actually starting the organization. Um, but yeah. How it started, yeah.
0: So. Man, thanks for walking us through. But that. you've got it. But you've got it.
1: But you've got to like you, you've got to put yourself in these serendipitous opportunities, right? Like, if I wouldn't have gotten on Face and tried to start the first startup, um, I would have never went to Haiti. I would have never been exposed to Charity Water and Scott, who's become like obviously a role model, and like we've been we've drawn so much inspiration from from Charity Water. Um, you know, wouldn't have been able to learn how to you know, pitch to venture capitalists to now venture capitalists, are news stories, largest funder base, right? Like all these dots connect because you actually went out on a limb and, and tried something. And I think, I think in our faith, God, um, I think that's, that's what he requires us to do. Right. I don't think that we're supposed to just have everything perfectly figured out and have there be no risk and not require any courage, Uh, obviously you need to be wise, right? You need to be, still be, there's a a difference between being dumb and being smart. You can still take a calculated risk um, while being smart. And I think the more calculated risk we can take, uh, if, if it's something that we have a conviction on and that we feel pulled to by the spirit, go for it. So
0: I'll stop there. (laughs) No, that's some wise words right there. And I know, uh, somebody listening definitely needs to hear that. And I think it's a charge that we should all hear to take, to take calculator risks for the kingdom. I love it. Well, Brett, let's go back to your 20 year old self. You kind of walked us through all the different, uh, journey that you took, but what would you tell your 20 year old self about preparing to lead?
1: Sure. Um, I'd say two things. Um, and I'm really just trying to speak from, from my, from my perspective and some of my peers that, Uh, have had leadership opportunities in their 20s, Um, I would try to pair an, uh, an obsession with learning with a bias towards action. I think when you get those things right and you can learn and then try and then learn and then try and you're constantly... Learning and then putting it to action, um, that compounds, you know, that really compounds year over year to where if you start at 20 and if you're doing that for, um, you know, for five years, that's like what, oh, well over a thousand, you know, almost 1,500 days of, of that cycle, you're going to get wiser. You're going to get more confidence in leadership. Um, when you speak, you're going to have more confidence. You're going to be able to pull from other examples, right? So I was just... I came from... I mean, I came from nothing. I had no no fancy credentials, no um, nothing. I just... I figured out I could put intentional time in to learn from other... Whether it's from other entrepreneurs or pastors or businesses that inspired me. And I could just consistently learn and then ideally... Uh, take action as well because I think if you're just learning like that's awesome that you're gonna you're gonna make progress but if you can put it towards action that's gonna really help but if you just if you just have action and you're not obsessed with learning when you're young it's hard to actually hard to like really mature and grow and get better so that would be the thing pair obsession with learning with with action.
0: That's that's very helpful. Well, Brett, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and just walking through the five leadership questions. And thank you for listening. We do hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review so another leader like yourself can find the podcast. And we'll see you next time.